0: Chapter Fifty-Eight of Kit and Kitty by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifty-Eight, Uncle Corney's Love Tale. A discontented and sour man, said my Uncle Corney one Saturday night when I had dropped in to supper, is as likely as not, unless he prays to God every morning of his life, to turn into a liberal. I have known a lot to do it, and being nabbed on the nail by the shady lot who are always near the corners, never get any chance again to come back to honesty. Kit, is that the sort of thing going on with you? Not likely, I answered, for my principles were sound. Is it likely that I would join a party including Lord Roarmore and his grandson? Conservatives commit no outrage. My uncle considered that statement gravely. He was too large-minded and candid of nature to accept it without the support of fact. He was probing his memory to see if this were so. Well, he said at last, there is some truth in it, though it seems at first sight to go a little too far. I have known many very tranquil radicals and one or two Tories of an energetic turn. All I feared was that you might be driven by the vile wrongs you have suffered into that miserable frame of mind when people are hatched into radicals. They injured me, not quite so much as you, my lad, but bitterly, very bitterly. Yet I carried my principles sound through it all. Oh, uncle, you promised to tell me the story of the wrong done to you in your early days. I have often longed to hear it, but was afraid to ask you because of the trouble it has been to you. But if you could bring yourself, without feeling it too much, to tell me how that matter was, it would be a great satisfaction to me, and do me a lot of good, I do believe. Well, my boy, it is a frosty night, how soon the year comes round again, though I do not think we shall have a winter fit to compare with the last one, but the east wind is coming up the lane pretty sharp, "'and we are likely to have a week of it. "'Let Tabby take the things away "'and bring another log or two. "'You had better come down here "'if the frost goes on. "'You will get frozen up there all alone. "'Not I. "'I can keep the fire up, "'and I believe it is warmer up there than here "'because of the wind from the river. "'How glad I am Bessie is still at Baycliff. "'They never feel the cold wind there. "'But go ahead, Uncle, "'according to your promise.' "'I don't know how many times you have cheated me. "'Tabby look sharp and go home before it snows now. "'Well, you must put up with my in and outs. "'I can lay a tree in straight enough, "'but I am out of my line telling things. "'And you wouldn't believe, to see me now, "'that I was ever a brisk young chap, "'proud of the cut of his boots and breeches, "'for we used to wear no long slops then. "'And blushing at the mention of a pretty girl.' "'and wondering what they were made of. "'But though you would not think it now, "'nor anybody else, "'except the young women that are dead and gone, "'I was quite as much the swell of Sunbury then, "'as you were before you fell into your bad luck. "'Not so tall, of course, "'but I dare say quite as strong, "'and the master of any lad about the village. "'Somehow or other, "'I was like you too, "'and your father as well, for that matter.' In not making up to any damsel in the place. "'Although they were pretty ones then, I can tell you, "'as pretty as any of the young ones now, "'and prettier too, in my eyes, "'and ever so much modester and more becoming. "'But the queen of the neighborhood, in my opinion, "'and of the county, too, "'was Myra Woodbridge, "'the daughter of a farmer near Bedfont, "'who held land under Squire Coldpepper.' "'If I was to tell you what she was like, "'you would think I was trying to put you out of all conceit "'with almost everybody in the world. "'And her looks, although they were so sweet and gentle, "'were not the best part of her, or not the only good one. "'A kinder-hearted, truer-hearted maiden never lived. "'And you could talk to her by the hour without her being tired, "'or you either, of what she had to say.' Naturally enough, all the young men round about were hankering after this fair maid, and it did not go against her that her father was well off, having made a deal of money in the Great War time, by contracts for fodder for the troops and so on. Myra was his favorite child and pretty sure to come in for a good share of his wealth some day. She could play the piano and sing like an angel and talk French and keep accounts and do anything. The difficulty for me was to get near her, till I thrashed a young miller from Uxbridge who annoyed her, and then I thrashed two other fellows who were after her, for they never summoned people for such little matters then, and it made her begin to think kindly of me, and we used to walk by the brook every Sunday evening. All was going on quite as well as I could wish, and old Robert Woodbridge was quite coming round to the coaxing of his lovely daughter, and the bands were to be put up just before the grass was cut so that we might have our wedding day between the hay and wheat, when suddenly everything was thrown abroad and both our lives were spoilt forever. Give me the sugar, Kit. I did think I should have someone to mix for me in my old days, a faithful companion of many years or perhaps a daughter or a grandchild. But God's will be done. It is useless to take on. "'Squire Culpepper's daughter, Monica, "'the younger of the two very handsome ladies, "'had taken a violent fancy to Myra, "'and now, when her elder sister Arabella "'was carrying on against her father's will "'with that dashing young buck, "'as they called them then, "'the Honorable Tom Bullrag, "'Miss Monica, "'who never cared much for her sister, "'any more than two firebrands rubbed together, "'she must needs send for my sweet Myra.' "'to come and stay at the hall, "'for some purpose of her own, "'whether to plot against her sister "'or be company for herself, "'or what else, I cannot tell. "'Myra was very loath to go, "'for she knew the tempers "'she would have to deal with, "'and having a right pride of her own, "'she could not bear the way they treated her, "'partly as a friend, "'and partly as a servant, "'for she might not have meals with the family, "'and partly, no doubt, "'as a sort of go-between,' or what they call a buffer nowadays, and being a mean lot, as everybody knows, their practice was to make her earn her keep by sewing and doing handy jobs about the house, like a servant without any wages. But whether she liked it or not she must go, for her father durst not disoblige his landlord, that peppery squire Nicholas. Unluckily, while she was in the house, that strange thing happened that I told you of, Tom Bullrag was to have run away with the elder girl, Arabella. But when everything was ready, she burst out about some trifle, and I'm blessed if he didn't make off with the other, thinking I dare say how sweet she was for taking his side in the shindy. It was out of the frying pan into the fire and served him right, said everybody. If the elder was a firebrand, the younger was a fury. And which is the worst, I should like to know." but they might have fought it out between themselves and no harm done to good people if Miss Monica had not carried Myra Woodbridge with her. She was forced to have someone, perhaps for her own sake, little as she cared for opinion, but one of the servants would have done as well, or better if she had been older. How Myra allowed herself to be taken I could never quite understand, for it was not likely to help her father in the good graces of his landlord.' Perhaps she thought herself in duty bound to stand by the one who was fond of her, or perhaps she hoped to see that things came right and thought there might be a worse mess of it with no one of common sense to help. At any rate, she went off in the chase and never had chance to come back again. You can understand what a storm there was at the manor when the truth came out. Our Miss Cold Pepper had been locked up, and could not get out till they found her, and then she was in such a state of mind that she could not speak her meaning clearly. The runaways had at least six hours' start, and it was hopeless to go after them, and in those days there were only coaches, no railways, and no telegraphs. Squire Nicholas swore himself into a fit, and it shortened his days, as the doctor said, though he vowed he would live all the longer for it. Myra was of a gentle nature, as a woman should be, yet proud to resent any charge against her when she knew she was innocent. The obstinate squire, a pig-headed man, put all the blame upon her, or pretended to do it, to screen himself in his own lazy ways with his daughter, till any one who listened to him would believe that the whole thing had been devised and carried out by a daughter of one of his tenants, so that when she wrote to her father, for the others left that job to her, to say that they were all at Bath and doing as well as could be expected, Squire Nicholas sent a most thundering message through old Robert Woodbridge that Myra had better never come near Bedfront or he would have her in prison for conspiring. Of course this was rubbish, but it frightened the poor girl and made her doubt what justice was. Then she wrote to me a most pitiful letter begging me to think the best of her, as if I could think anything else, saying how sorry she was for leaving home in that impulsive, foolish way under a mistaken view of right. Some day, perhaps, you will have a letter of that sort from your kitty. And she asked me, as she could not ask her father, who would not forgive her till he saw her, to oblige her by just sending money enough to bring her back to Bedford, I came away with only half a crown, and there is none to be got from you-know-who, the poor thing said, for she was most careful not to write names that might lead to mischief. But like a woman, exactly like a woman, who thinks that the whole world knows everything about her, or else is afraid of their doing so, the only address that she gave was Bath in the county of Somerset. It was hard to send money by post in those days. You must enclose and risk it. But what was the use of putting money in a letter directed to Miss Myra Woodbridge Bath? There was nothing more precise in her letter to her father, and it took me three days to find out that, for the old man was gone from home on business. I went to Squire Nicholas to see if he knew, but he only stormed at me and told me to go to a place he was fitting himself for. "'so that four days were lost before I could start "'with your grandfather's leave for the west of England. "'When I got to Bath, it took me two days more "'as an entire stranger in the place "'to find out where the Bullrags had been stopping. "'And when I discovered their hotel at last, "'they had left it on the day before, "'and no one could tell me what their destination was. "'I came back to Sunbury in very bad spirits.' fearing greatly that I never should see my dear again. And so it turned out, although I had one more letter from her, which was enough to break anyone's heart almost. I have it upstairs, but I shall never show it. God only knows what a man goes through. When my time comes, you will find it, Kit, and I wish to have that and the other with me. There is more than a 12 between the two. "'and the second is dated from a German city. "'I could not understand it at the time "'because I had no more thought of any other woman "'than you have since you lost your kitty. "'Afterwards I found out the whole. "'The poor girl became indispensable to them. "'She alone eked out their resources "'and kept them from going to the dogs "'before Bullrag learned some roguish way of turning money.' and to keep her from quitting them and going home, they lied through thick and thin to her about her father and about myself and backed up their lies with forgeries. They vowed that their father would never receive her and that I was married to a Sunbury girl. Her father could make no inquiries about her for he had been taken with a paralytic stroke and her brothers, jealous wretches, did not want her nearer home. As for me, I could do nothing any more than you can now. I knew that they were all upon the continent and trusted in her good faith and loyalty for many a sad day. And although she had been deeply hurt and wounded at my silence, which of course had been twisted to their selfish ends, I believe that she was faithful to me to the very last. The old man died on the very day when I received her second letter and I went to his funeral with it in my pocket. The brothers looked askance at me and smiled a sour smile as much to say you don't cut in for any of it and I did not even speak to them about their sister but they soon came to grief by the will of the Lord and the farm was now occupied by George Fletcher In reply to that letter which astounded me I wrote to say that every word she had heard was false, that I had never forgotten her as she supposed, although she did not reproach me with it, that I cared for no one else and should never do so, and hoped from the bottom of my heart that her illness was not so serious as she believed. If she would only write that she wished to see me, I would go to her anywhere in the world. Then I told her of her poor father's death and that he had loved her always. And been yearning for her. She was on her deathbed when she received that letter, and it comforted her dearly, and she died with it in her hand. Now, what do you think my dear girl died of? It is almost too bad to tell you, Kit, and I can scarcely commend myself to do it. I cannot prove it, if I only could, but vengeance belongs to the Lord in heaven. Slowly but surely it will fall and the part is already upon them. Monaco Bolrag killed my Myra, not on the moment, but by slow death. That was why she was so scared with you. That is the reason that her power passes into terror when she tries to face any of us. That scoundrel, her husband, growing tired of his wife, began to pay attentions to Miss Woodbridge. He began very craftily, for like his son he was cunning as well as furious, and the poor girl scarcely suspected it, or could not bring herself to believe it true, but his wife, knowing well what he was, saw through it, and you may suppose how her passion raged. She came in one day when they were together, Myra standing innocently by the window, Bullrag gazing at her in his vile, licentious way. That woman lost all self-command at the sight, She strode up to Myra, and with all her weight and strength struck her in the bosom with her clenched fist. Myra fell backward and lay stunned upon the floor, her head being dashed against the sill as she fell. But it was not that which killed her, but the heavy blow on the chest, the most dangerous part of the delicate frame. No doubt she would have left them if she could, though she might have to beg her way home again and she even left the house, but could not get far. There had been some fatal harm done inside by that blow of a brute beast, and the days of the best girl that ever lived were short in a land of strangers. She had trouble in breathing and some fainting fits. A good doctor could have saved her, I do believe. But those brutes were afraid to have medical advice, even if they desired it. She pined away and died. She did not care to live until it was too late to do it, but she died in happiness. Thank God for that. She died with the knowledge that her father had been her father to the last and that I had never failed her. Well, my boy, it was a bitter time for me and my heart was full of fury as well as anguish but it is arranged for us by a higher power that these crushing strokes come upon us from a mist. We know not the manner of their descending. We hope that they are not as they appear to be. We call up our faith in heaven's justice to protect us, and we moan when it is useless. Nevertheless, for all of that, I believe that truth and equity are vindicated before we die, if only we live long enough and if not, let us be content. We are fitter for another world than those who have destroyed our life in this. I saw that my uncle had been overdone, brave and strong-hearted and stout as he was. People who complain can support that habit, and a habit it becomes, never touching them inside. But he was of a hardy and courageous fiber, yet now he leant over his long pipe stem and his pipe had gone out like the vapors of the past. End of chapter fifty-eight